This is the S Rock Podcast. This is a recap podcast, a boxing recap of Jordanis Ugas versus Earl Spence Jr. And I'll be doing the whole card, but let's jump right into Earl Spence versus Jordanis Ugas. Um, really great performance from Earl Spence, and it didn't go anything really like how I said it would go. And I'm, I'm really disappointed in myself, and I, I didn't see the way this one was going to play out. Now, I think the reason why it didn't go that way, um, I think the main reason is because Ugas just couldn't take what was coming back to him. I do think that Ugas was having some success at range. I do think that he was landing early. Uh, definitely not at the work rate that Spence was. And this wasn't the Spence that fought Danny Garcia. Another thing that threw me off because I'm going off. I like to go off like your, your most recent, like last three performances in the Danny Garcia fight. And because of the long layoff of Spence, I thought Danny Garcia fight was what Spence was. And I was like, at that, the Spence that fought Danny Garcia to me was like a really diminished product, right? It just wasn't a guy that had the same work rate, didn't have the same mentality of like coming forward, wasn't putting a beating on him. Um, that I thought that he, you know, possibly could, especially because Dan Garcia like really shuts off later in that fight. And then you had heard that going to fight the trainer saying that, you know, that was like 40% of Spence, right? And, you know, they always say that. People always say that. That's, you know, a bad performance. It's like, oh, there's always an excuse, right? There's always an excuse why someone's not, um, you know, performing to the level that they usually do. So I was watching this going to fight. You know, you expect to hear that. So it didn't really like sway me anyway. And I just thought that like Burrow Spence is tentative like Danny stays on the outside. The Ugas is just going to uh, tear him apart from that side. And I did pick Earl Spence to win the fight. I picked him 11th round TKO. It's a 10th round TKO, right? But I picked it because I thought that he had to come back down to the cards. I thought he would have to be aggressive. And I thought that he would land a big left because Ugas' guard, although very good, um, very talented with it, it has holes in it because he trusted too much. And he's so close to his face with it that sometimes he has to be like really precise on where he's blocking, where he's protecting himself. But Spence, they start off with, a, you know, a battle of jabs. And Ugas is jabbing to the body a lot. And Spence is just kind of, uh, you know, outnumbering him with his jab. Now, like I said, Ugas lands. Uh, and I, th- I gave Ugas the first round. But, like, from there, that point on, like, the work rate, it's just very clear that Ugas is not going to be able to keep up with his work rate. And because he doesn't like what's coming back to him, it's like there's just no chance of him being able to, you know, really uh, get a lot of rounds just because... He's so much shelled up just because of what's coming towards him, right? With the shots coming towards him. Now, he's able to do good stuff. He counters. Uh, Spence, at times, you know, he's so good that he has, like, one that you notice little mistakes. Maybe you overemphasize those mistakes because he does everything else so good. You're just trying to see, you know, this happens a lot. When you have a really good guy, and you'll notice that they're the most criticized, right? And you can have, like, average guys, right, that aren't praised and people will really hype them up and get like be like no you're not single you know you're um he's underrated and all these things but the guy that's like really legitimately the best guy little are usually the ones most criticized you're looking for you find anything and once you see something that might be a flaw of him then you just really emphasize it oh he does this and no no he's not that good he does this and spence does fall off balance sometimes and because his work rate so much that sometimes the shot you know misses badly and He'll stumble in or he'll fall back and lose his balance. He does have little moments like that. But if I mean we're being honest here, right, of the combination punching he's doing, the power and not needing to put so much behind it to get the power, he hits like a hammer. He has an excellent work rate, an excellent cardio. Uh, he could fight from a range. Is he the best guy at range? No, probably not, but he's very good at range. He's very. He's not like he's going to get schooled at range, I don't think. He's uh, good from all ranges, right? Good mid-range, good from the outside, 
great on the inside. Great body punches. Like, he just, this guy could do it all. And he's just, he was just superior to Ugas. And Ugas could not handle it. He gets his oral bone broken. And from that point, he's not able to fight through. And I'm never going to blame a person for not being able to fight through an oral bone. Now, he didn't quit. No, did he look for a way out? No, but he didn't look to take any more chances beyond that point. But I don't blame him. I've had my oral bone broken in a boxing fight from a headbutt. And it's brutal. And as the fight goes on, it gets worse. It doesn't get better. It doesn't go numb. It's numb at first. You're like, oh, okay, that hurts. It kind of goes numb. And then you start feeling it. And those shots, especially getting hit by Earl Spence Jr., I imagine, are really painful. It becomes extremely painful. It becomes unbearable. So I'm never going to blame Ugas for that. But I did kind of wonder why he turned off. You know what I mean? Like what, what made him shut down? And a lot, I heard criticism of his training. But it's to me, Ugas always kind of fights the same way. I don't really see a change in his game plan. I didn't expect to see a change in his game plan. It was going to be the same thing. He's going to apply what he does. Now, it didn't work. And he didn't like what was going forward. But I don't think you could judge the, his training staff by that. His, his coaches by that. Just because he couldn't withhold to the shots, you know, couldn't withstand the shots that were coming. And he had to shell up and he had to be defensive. He had to be protective and he couldn't take his chances to try to get the win. He couldn't at that point. It was over. Now, there was an interesting moment in the fight where Earl Spence gets his uh, mouthpiece knocked out, right? And he stops punching and he, I, for, um, and there might be confusion with the ref saying, you know, hold on. And then Spence just kind of walks away, not looking at Ugas. And Ugas hits him with a big shot and then a straight right. And Spence kind of falls into the ropes. Now, there's this whole controversy of whether that should have been counted a knockdown or not. It's very stupid. Um, Spence is very comfortable in the fight. He's winning by a wide margin. Ugas, at that point, is not going to steal a decision. He needs a, a stoppage, right? He needs, to get a, a, he needs to get a KO or TKO to win the fight. Them not counting that as a knockdown actually helps you, Ugas, because then there's no 10 count. There's no uh, standing eight, so it doesn't get Spence the time to rest. So Ugas, from that point on, doesn't take advantage of this at all. He just stares at Spence the whole time. Doesn't take advantage of it at all. Now, I don't know if people are trying to claim that that's like uh, signs of a fix or whatever. Those people are very stupid. Okay, that's a very stupid take to have because Ugas literally has his orbital bone broken. So if you're going to fix a fight, I, the one thing, if I'm the guy that's going to lose in a fix, I want guaranteed is no one's going to break my face. But Ugas doesn't take advantage of this. I think it's because his face is hurting and he doesn't want to, you know, a, after the fact, knowing that I think because his face is hurting, he doesn't want to take that chance, doesn't want to get hit what's coming back. But he doesn't take that chance. Then the ref does step in and do the whole uh Wash out the math, mouthpiece, which I hate, by the way. In the MMA, they don't do that, right? In the UFC, they don't do that. They just pick up the mouthpiece, put it right back in his mouth. Okay, what is that? A little rinse. It's not going to desanitize it. Okay, that little rinse like that. It's not going to desanitize it. You know what it takes to wash your hands to desanitize something, right? The the, the You got to get in there with soap and make sure and look at it and make sure this is all good. They don't do that. They rinse it with the thing and that's good. It's going to sanitize it. No, 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 no. Pick that bad boy up, put it back in. And if not, let him ride out for the rest of the um, the round. If especially in a situation like that where he's hurt, let's find out how that plays out before we get a stoppage, right? Before we get a break in the action. But honestly, Ugas it wasn't even acting on it, so it's not, none of this really affected the fight. It was a moment that Spence screwed up where he could have lost the fight. Ugas hurts him but doesn't do anything from it i'm not gonna be like oh okay well that was a miss you know that that was done by because they you know uh the ref didn't count as a knockdown or the ref made it stop to wash out the mouthpiece and all that no 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 who guys didn't take advantage of it didn't change anything in this fight this fight was going the direction it was going to go 
Spence, Spence looked amazing. I'm glad this fight happened. So now when he fights Terrence Crawford, it's the we know it's the best Spence. We know we're getting the best Crawford because he fought Porter and got the stoppage. And we're getting him right now. And I think this is one of the best times it could possibly happen. And I feel like very confident that now Spence is going to fight Crawford because Spence brings it up at the end of the fight. And he kind of just uh, makes a declaration that that's who's next. That's who he wants. The only person he wants. And I think he knows because he's talked to Al Heyman. I think Al Heyman, he knows the deal that Al Heyman's working with uh, Terrence Crawford. He knows that fight's going to get made. He knows that he's either going to have to make the sacrifices to get it made or Al Heyman's going to overpay for it. Maybe not overpay, but he's willing to spend for it. So either way, he's been reassured that this fight's going to happen. So he brings it up. Now there's a lot of buzz for this fight. And this fight feels bigger than what I originally thought, which I thought it's the most important fight. I didn't know if it was the biggest. It's starting to feel like a really big fight. This is all This is all that's going on on boxing Twitter. It's all that's going on really everyone's talking boxing. Even hit a few of the ESPN shows, right? So that just shows you like the casuals are are bringing attention to it. So it feels like a really big fight, and it feels like a really good time for this fight. Because I'll be honest with you, the Spence Jr. that fought Danny Garcia would have got smoked by Terrence Crawford, but that's not the Spence Jr. that fought Ugas. It just isn't. That Spence Jr. is better. The things he did uh, versus Ugas, who is a very credible opponent. Now, is Ugas... um, you know, one of the top guys in the weight division. Time is going to have to tell on that. I think that, you know, I think a lot of guys are going to lose to Spence and Crawford, right? Doesn't mean that you're not very good, but Ugas is going to, you know, there's a, a plenty of names. Stan Yonis, Butev, uh Boots, Virgil Ortiz. I mean, I, there's more names than that. I just, you know, he can even rematch Jamal James. There's plenty of fights out there for him to fight. Right to to prove that he's you know still top guy at 147, he's just probably not going to be able to beat Spencer Crawford. I don't I don't see that happening uh, in his future, but I still think he's a very credible name. I still think he's a, he's a very skilled, talented fighter. He just ran to you know one of the best of this era in Spence Jr. And I hope the Crawford fight happens next. I'm going to be breaking down that fight for my next podcast. So when I talk. Uh, Tyson Fury next. I will be doing a breakdown and prediction for Spence Jr. versus Terrence Crawford. Now on the undercard for Spence Jr. versus Ugas, we have um, Crowley versus Lopez. I'll just go over you know real quick what I took from this fight. Uh, Crowley's a pretty talented fighter, and it's funny because as I watched it, and sometimes I wish I could just like. I mean, I'm t- live tweeting, but sometimes I wish I could just be talking while I'm watching the fights, like on a podcast. Um, but I, when I saw Crowley, I was like, man, this guy looks pretty skilled. He's not just like a pressure fighter or a guy that's just like, you know, a high work rate, work rate which were, they were kind of like describing him by the broadcast. I, I knew he had a lot of skills. And when he decided to box Lopez, I mean, it, it looked very good. Now, I don't think he's extremely gifted as far as like speed or power or anything like that. But the guy can box. He's got good size to him. He looks durable. He's an interesting guy at that weight class at 147. And I'm, I'm curious to see where he goes and how they match him up going forward. But uh, I really like what, what I saw from him. You had uh, Isak Cruz versus Gamboa in a, in a one-sided fight, but it turns out to be kind of a fun fight because Gamboa kind of really takes chances in this fight, which is weird because Gamboa took no chances against uh, Devin Haney, but takes all these chances against uh, Isak Cruz. Now, whether that had to do with the pressure and he felt like, I really got to sit on this, I can't just hold back, he's landing too much shots. Maybe that was it. Or maybe he just thought, you know, he saw openings and saw Cruz that he really, he thought maybe he could take advantage of. 
Either way, Isa Cruz gets the stoppage, and you know, in a showcase fight, he got the he uh, performed how he was uh, supposed to perform, right? This is what they were looking for. He seemed like he got a good pop there in Texas, so you know, his name's being built correctly. This was the right idea. I mean, it's not a great win. It's Gamboa. Gamboa's washed, and he's been he's lost to everyone that's credible recently um, by a wide margin. So it's not a huge win, but it, it did what it was supposed to do. It brought attention to Esau Cruz. It said, remember this guy that fought tank? Look, at he's still in there, and look how devastating he is. It did that. Now we'll see where they go with Esau Cruz next. I think tank rematch is very possible. I think that now that PBC is building a 135, uh, I think take now. I think the big mistake is to take Tank out of there because he seems to be comfortable one thirty five. You got Cruz now. You got the next fight I'm talking about, Valenzuela, who uh, destroys Vargas uh, in the first round, and he's a you know long, sharpshooter, uh, big power. Now you have Cruz, Valenzuela, Martin, and Ali. All in this weight class, so it's like now Tank has a bunch of guys to fight. Now he's got he's lined up. I don't see these guys fighting each other. I see them just all kind of be waiting for Tank. Valenzuela looked very good. Couldn't really figure anything out from that fight. Another uh, Vargas who was washed and you know was very good at one point, but not really anymore. Um, he's not a high level fighter anymore, and it's you know probably time to wrap it up for both Vargas and Gamboa. As uh, you know, unfortunate that is, and you know it happens to everyone. He's just no longer at the level, and it's kind of, you know, it's getting to the point where it's dangerous, and it's not really uh, fun to watch, or, you know, you're not even a reasonable threat to these guys anymore. I don't think that they should keep putting you out there with, you know, at least guys at high as this level, and or this just, you know, the ability, right, like this kind of speed or power. I, I just don't think it's going go good going forward. I think this ser- these fights serve their purpose. But now it's like you want to see these guys face actual credible guys that are still, you know, in their competitive, uh, still can be competitive in these fights. Another fight, and the last fight I'm going to talk about on this card is Buteyev versus Danionis. And in a fight that I was so very confident in Buteyev winning. And it did go split decision, but I, I think that uh, Danionis won the fight. I, as I was watching it, I, I thought it was a little more competitive than people had it. A lot of people had Danionis winning by a landslide. I thought the first, the round, the, the beginning rounds were competitive. I think that Butte have had its moments when he kind of chose to uh, move around Stanionis and he stood in the, uh, when he's, I think he was when he stood in the orthodox stance, they, he was being more effective, but then he'd get in the southpaw stance to kind of stay in there with Stanionis more. And Stanionis just was landing the bigger, cleaner, heavier shots. And Butte was working, uh, especially like to the body and stuff like that, but it just wasn't enough to, you know, really hold off Stanionis, but it wasn't also enough to just kind of, like, build, like, a number of rounds, to, you know, went in his direction. Stanionis is a guy that's, you know, kind of outperformed what I thought he was capable of, but he did it by just doing the things that he's always done, and maybe that what he's doing is a lot more effective than what I'm seeing, right? Well, the effectiveness of it, it, maybe it's just, it's it's um, a lot more effective and it's harder to see like when you're watching it, right? Because I don't think, I don't know, a lot of people are higher on Stanionis, but he could just be a guy that just, you know, keeps winning with the style where it's like he's kind of stiff, but he has a good jab. He's steady. Um, I don't see a late power from him, but his shots mean something because when he hits these guys, they're not like they're staying in there with him. 
Like, Butsev is an aggressive guy, but I think at times when he got hit, he looked like he got, you know, cautionary of what could come next. So, I'm curious to see where Danny is, goes next. Everybody's watching him because they want to know if he's going to take the step aside, which, I, you know, from the um, some of the quotes and the way it was reported on today, it seems like he's going to be very comfortable taking that step aside and letting uh, Crawford and Earl Spence um, finally meet and give the fans what they want. It was a... It was a solid night of fighting. It was a good card. I think I think uh, Earl Spence, you know, just really proved his level and what level he's at. And, you know, I think he would have put a really bad beating on Pacquiao. I was kind of curious in that because I seen, you know, Pacquiao was competitive with Ugas. I know Ugas won that fight, but Pacquiao was had his moments. And I kind of thought, well, a young Pacquiao would have smoked Ugas. Well, Earl Spence, who's in his prime, smoked Ugas. So he did what I thought Manny Pacquiao would have done to Ugas. So he, he is in that level. I was curious. I wanted to see... If he was going to be competitive in this fight, I'm like, well, then to me, he's not Pacquiao in his prime or Mayweather in his prime. He looked like that level to me. And I was getting a discussion with um, people in the, about resumes, right? And if a fighter's resume likes an elite resume, and what is an elite resume? And to me, we were talking about Earl Spence. I think he has an elite resume. Let me read off his uh, notable wins real quick. Just, uh, just made a post about it okay so number one i have cal brook um cal brook beats uh porter but clearly uh to me one of the more definitive wins of porter's before you know or spence which is still kind of a debatable fight uh or before terrence crawford stops him but cal brook before all those was like the clearest win of sean porter and kind of figure out his style cal brook was very good even competitive with um golovkin but just the size was too much and then number two, I have Sean Porter, who Sean Porter, this is the, you know, one of the bigger debates we had about elite resumes. I don't think that he has an elite resume, but to me, when I think of resume, I think of accomplishments. So I think of elite wins or quality wins or number of quality wins. And I don't think Sean Porter has that many quality wins. Now he has uh, good wins like Malnagy or Broner or Danny Garcia. Those are, those, are, those are good wins. I don't think he has elite wins. And every time he fought a guy that was, you know, could put him over the top, he lost. He lost to. Like we said, Cal Brook, he lost to uh, Crawford, Spence, Thurman. He, he lost all those fights. Then number three, I have Mikey Garcia. I think maybe people are surprised to see that because a lot of people kind of downplay that fight because of the size difference. Um, Mikey was good at 140. He went to 147. He got outboxed. It wasn't like uh, Spence was just too big for him. It was kind of like he outskilled him too. So you kind of have to weigh that in as well. I think that's a very good win for Earl Spence. Kind of an underrated win at this point. Danny Garcia, Danny Garcia's never done anything at 147. He's beaten uh, old Robert Guerrero. He gets a lot of credit for the knockout of Granados. But he's come up short. He came up short against Porter. came up short against Thurman. Um, came up short against Spence. And, and really short against Spence. Like, he didn't even take any chances. It's because of size. He doesn't. Later in a fight, those sizes, those sizes really weigh on you. And he doesn't seem like he, you know, kind of seems like he falls apart later in fights. Uh, number five, I have your Dennis Ugas. So it shows how good of the fight. You know, we just had because if a matchup is going to enter your top five of wins, right? Is the potential of your notable wins this guy's getting in your top five? I think that's what makes a very good fight, especially if it's like Canelo or Earl Spence or Terrence Crawford. So, or Dennis Ugas is number five, and number six, Lamont Peterson. Now, Lamont Peterson, another guy's never done really done anything 147, 140 kind of questionable as well. Uh, never really uh, to me was like the highest of level of fighters or at that point, but he was. A contender at that point. So number six for Earl Spence is pretty good. To me, I think this is an elite resume. 
At the Kel Brook, Sean Porter, Mikey Garcia, Danny Garcia, or Dennis Ugas, and Lamont Peterson, that's an elite resume, in my opinion. I don't think Terrence Crawford has an elite resume. Now, right now, before I'm breaking down the fight officially, I'm kind of leaning Terrence Crawford in the fight versus Earl Spence. So that doesn't mean that just because I don't think you have an elite resume doesn't mean I don't think you, you could possibly beat that guy, but I just don't think he has an elite resume like Earl Spence does. Fighters today that I think do have elite resumes, like, you know, Canelo's another exa- example, Francisco Estrada. I think Fulton's very close with his next win, could very well have an elite resume. Um, in a way, of course, uh, Chocolatito. Um, Tyson Fury wins, un- you know, if Tyson Fury beats Dylan White and then beats the winner of Usyk Joshua, I would give him an elite resume. Uh, so that's what I'm saying. It, it, to me, I'm I'm very critical on who has an elite resume. I don't think Golovkin is close to having an elite resume. I think he would have to still go on a late run, which I don't believe he has in him. But let's say if he beats Canelo, then of course, now I think that he would uh, be in the elite resume conversation. But I, I, I don't think he's the elite resume right now. Um, there's a lot of guys I don't think, uh, you know, everyone else I don't really don't think has a lead resume. I'm very, I'm very critical. I'm very, uh, you know, my, the, when I think of this, I, I want to be consistent. I want to be, um, I don't want to just let everyone in. I, I don't feel like that's the thing. And it's not just because you don't have a lead resume. It doesn't mean you're a bad fighter. You're a very good fighter, a great fighter, but I just don't think you have the wins to say you have an elite resume. This is a debate, you know, uh, that I've had, I've had recently and, you know, the whole thing with resumes also, too, is like what you mean by it. A lot of guys will consider just fighting a bunch of top guys an elite resume. I, I, I don't like to look at it like that. I think that, you know, accomplishment is really important. But you, that's another way to look at it. So, you know, sometimes you just, you're not really wrong. It's just kind of like, how are you looking at it? What are your criteria? What's the context of how you're looking at it? And uh, to me, it's just notable wins. It really is. It's notable wins. I think uh, key losses can be important, too, to weigh in. Uh, but notable wins to me is most important over everything. Uh, more than belts, more than records, more than anything. I think notable wins. You got that's the most. Uh, it shows me the shows me more than anything what level you're at because belts can be fake belts or they could be uh, against guys that you know like Devin Haney. I said versus Cambosos. Like is Cambosos really a great undisputed champion compared to you know say Earl Spence beats Crawford right to become undisputed. And to get to that point, he had to beat Cal Brook and Mikey Garcia and Sean Porter and Ugas. It's like, you know, is that the same level? Are they both the same level undisputed? No. So, like, that's what I'm saying. Those things can all be, um, you know, those could be all be watered down. Or they can mean more or mean less. But opponents and the names and the level they were at, we, we all can agree on that. And that's why that means the most to me. Thank you guys for listening. This has been the S-Ra Podcast.